Hello, and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today, I'm joined once again by Brittany Adkins, who is the host of Pagan's Witchy Corner. And today, we're talking about her her landscape that surrounds her, her, the area that she lives, which is full of spiritual energies. And we're talking about the ways that she interacts with those beings that live in the landscape around her. And I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. So Brittany, thank you so much for being here. It is wonderful to be back on the show and speaking to your audience again. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you back. And, um, and so, so Brittany, can you, can you paint a picture of where you live? What's it like and, and where are you based? So I like to call my farm that I live on a little piece of the middle of nowhere in the middle of the city. <laughs> Cause I literally live right smack in the middle of the city, but you wouldn't know it coming down my road to my farm. It looks like I live in the middle of nowhere because I'm surrounded by woods and the woods in Tennessee are very thick. And I grew up in New Mexico. And I think I mentioned this on the last show. I grew up in Northern New Mexico. So the forests are completely gr- different than they are here here the woods are extremely thick very vibrantly green and the woods get dark in the summertime because of the foliage so they look very ominous but when you actually get in them they're really not now the only part that's ominous is most of the woods are full of snakes (laughs) we have a lot of copperheads here which sucks but our woods that surround our property it's really interesting because they literally wrap the span of our property But in the middle of our property is these gorgeous grassland fields that are the food population for lots of different creatures. Like we've got some groundhogs, we have some foxes, we have uh, hawks and uh, ravens, and we have a large flock of turkeys and a large herd of deer that all live on our property. So we're kind of this little bit of an animal sanctuary without being an animal sanctuary because this is where everybody gets to come and eat and they don't have to worry about you know getting hit by cars they don't have to worry about being hunted they don't have to worry about any of that it's a really nice place for the animals but it's also a great place for our spirits our land is rich with spiritual activity as well we have lots of spirits because our land is old it is part of where back in the day there was plantations with slavery and there was part of the civil war came through here we had all sorts of things that have happened on this land and even before that there were indigenous people that lived on these lands i don't know much about that but i do know there were indigenous folks here so we have a lot of history that surrounds this area and it makes it very rich to talk to to basically just go out into you know the middle of one of our pastures and just sit and listen to everything that's happening around us. Lovely. And it sounds like an absolutely wonderful place. And something that we mentioned in the last interview, but might bear repeating here, is this sense that you mentioned that you're in the middle of the city, basically, mm-hmm. middle of civilization, but this refuge. And you have the sense that things were pushed into your area, right? Yes. Now, As I've lived here, I've lived here for, gosh, close to 15 years now. And the longer I have lived here, the more we are starting to see all of these pieces of land that were once bare around us get bought up by developers and turned into subdivisions. 
And so these subdivisions are now encroaching on our property and to the point that even developers have approached us to ask us if we are willing to sell. And so it's pushed all the wildlife and all of the spirits of the land towards us. Now, don't get me wrong, there's spirits of the land that can still reside in areas that are populated densely with humans and houses and all that. But most of the time, if there is spirit of the land, you're going to kind of do the same thing you would do to an animal. You're going to displace them if you build on that land without praying basically proper libations towards them. And most developers are not spiritual. They don't care. They're in it for the money and the capitalism behind that. They don't really give two shits about the spirits of the land. So the spirits tend to gravitate towards a place where they feel welcome at least in our area, not all places. I don't know if this is common everywhere else, but in our area, we have a lot of spirits that flock here. And it's interesting since COVID hit, we have a lot more human spirits here now as well. And a lot of them are really confused because they died really abruptly. They died really, COVID as far as I know, is not a comfortable death. It's almost a very violent death because your body is riddled with pain. And so a lot of these spirits are confused. And so they're coming here and we kind of have to give them a place to be because a lot of them don't really feel like they're ready to move on. So in our opinion, everybody is welcome, good, bad, and indifferent, as long as you abide by the rules, which means you can't come into my house. You can't mess with my kids. You can't mess with my dogs. And you sure as heck can't mess with, mess with my garden because that's part of our food source. But as long as you are here and you're maintaining the balance within that, you have a place to live. You have a place to be. You have your own space and that's okay. And that's what we've always kind of incorporated with all of the spirits. I don't care how many of you are here, but y'all got to get along. There's not going to be any warring factions. You either live in peace or you get off the property and go somewhere else. Those are the rules. And that's how we've always approached it. And we have very good very good balance within our spirits that live here and we have everything from some I don't want to call them dark fae but like the unseely fae the the mischievous ones that you know are not particularly nice but they're not also terrible either um and we have some other darker spirits that live here as well and they just do their thing because we give them space to do their thing they're not out to get us they're not out to hurt us we're just coexisting with each other. It sounds like you really have created quite the the refuge there. And I find interesting how you have all these different spirits, you know, existing in harmony, playing by those rules. Mm-hmm. Now it's now, of course, it brings out the question, have you had instances where spirits weren't playing by those rules? And did you have to do anything in those cases? I have had some spirits that have come onto the property that didn't want to play by the rules. And I've also had some spirits that were sent to me by other people um, that did not want to play by those rules. And those spirits that were sent to me were sent to me in a malicious way. Um, And then I had to do some cleansing. I had to do some um, banishing and all that to take care of that. Now, the interesting thing is when I first moved here, um, the, the land that I live on was actually broken into four pieces. There was my house that I lived on, which, um, belonged to my husband and my father-in-law. And 
my husband had a piece behind it, but he sold it to his sister-in-law and my sister-in-law owned that piece and another piece. And then I had another sister-in-law um, who owned another piece. Now my sister-in-law who owned the two pieces now owns all of the exterior pieces besides our house. And which is great because we get along great with her. And she's also very much of the spiritual mindset. So she understands how the land spirits work. But interestingly enough, when I first moved here, there was so much disharmony amongst the spirits, the land. And it wasn't because the spirits were warring with each other. It was the energy between family members. My two sisters-in-laws don't really see eye to eye and they never have for the last 40 years. They've never seen eye to eye with each other. And it seeped into the land and it was causing massive conflict between all the spirits and all the energies in this place. And so the first few years that I lived here, it was uncomfortable. Like it, it felt really uncomfortable. Like the woods were not a place that I would go walk. I felt very uneasy going into them. Um, and uneasy is the nice term. <laughs> I guess you could say. And it was something that I'm just like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to be in there. It's not comfortable for me. And after things kind of started to dissipate and then my other sister-in-law bought up the property and we started working with the spirits and we started talking to them and trying to figure out where the bad energy was coming from. And it was coming from their conflict. And it's one of those things that I really urge a lot of people when they move into a space learn your own energies before you come into that space. Because if you're in an unhappy marriage or you're in an unhappy space with yourself, your energy is going to directly affect that around you, the energies around you. And if you move into a house that has spirits or has other energies in it and your energy and the energy of the relationships around you is not in a good place, it's going to affect it. And it's not going to affect it in a positive manner. We hear stories all the time about poltergeist energy and egregores and all these other things that happen because of our own energies. So that was one of the things that I was seeing happen with my land. And I had to go about a way to fix that. And so it was also attracting some fairly unsavory characters, as I like to call them. And I don't really want to call them demons. And I don't really want to call them dark entities. I think that most entities that are labeled as dark are misunderstood because humans have the same nature to be dark as well. We can be just as light or as dark as any of the entities out there, but I think it's how we are approached that our attitudes change. Now, I have some things on my land that I would call quote unquote dark, but they're not dark towards me because my attitude towards them has never been dark. It's been one of assertiveness, but it's never been one of, I'm completely in power here. I'm the one that's going to be in charge of you. I own you. No, it's one of, you get a place to live. You get a place to be here. You get to be a part of this. But if you break the rules I have set in place, which are for the safety of everything here, then you don't get to be here. Then you have to find somewhere else to reside. You don't get to be in this energetic space here. And most of the energies, and I'm talking like 99% of them are like, okay, no problem. They don't care. They just want a space where they can be themselves to do whatever it is they do. 
And if they need a place that connects to the nature of the world, this is a great place for them to do that. They get to be a part of the nature. They get to be a part of this. And if they need a place where they just, when it comes to like how the spirit world and the earthly realm, in my opinion, overlap, they overlap in such a way that sometimes I think that they need a physical boundary or physical place that kind of overlaps into our world. So it's kind of like you need a home to live in and they need one too. So I've given them the space to be here. I've given them a place to hang out and if they like it, cool. And if they don't, they are free to go somewhere else. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's all about boundaries. Oh yes, absolutely. And it's all about those boundaries, right? Asserting those boundaries and, uh, you know, even a, a dark entity of that type can absolutely work within boundaries if it's willing mm-hmm. to, you know, accept that. And, and and I absolutely feel that you are correct in that certain spirits, right? They live still in relation to, even if they're not embodied within the physical, they're still living in relation to time and space. So they mm-hmm. still need a space to live, right? So that's what you're doing, which is a uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Do you find that certain parts of your property are more energetically charged than others? Like, do you find that there's, there's congregations, you know, there's places where they're congregating? Yes, absolutely. Um, There's a point on my property that I'm pretty sure is a natural portal to, I don't know if you want to call it the astral or a, the spirit realm or some other plane of existence. I don't really care. But this specific spot on my property is between a very, very old poplar tree. We're talking like a 300-year-old poplar tree and a very, very old cedar tree, which I think the cedar tree actually got cut down, but that's not the point. But between these two trees, there was this weird energetic magnetism that when you would go back there, you would feel weird. Like you feel like you crossed over in somewhere else or you were in between there and somewhere else. And what I noticed is a lot of things would come through this space and some were good, some were bad, and some would pass back and forth to wherever they were going. And it kind of made me realize maybe this is a natural portal. Maybe this is where they're kind of congregating or where they're coming around. And I've noticed around that area, that is where a lot of the new spirits that come through, that's where they hang out. And that's where they kind of sit and they'll go sit in the woods that are just off the side there. And that poplar tree, if you just walk up to it and you just touch it, it feels bizarre and not bizarre, like in an unnatural way. It just feels like it's connected to something else. And I, it is such a surreal feeling to actually go back there and just be around it, let alone to touch it. And with the things that come around there and you'll see stuff moving in the woods out of the corner of your eye. And it's not animals um, because most of the deer reside deeper in the woods. Um, They'll come out at night, but not usually during the midday and stuff like that. And, you know, you'll see stuff moving and you'll hear voices. Um, Occasionally you'll hear like somebody running through the woods like it sounds like human footsteps and um I have had other energies come out and try to rush me out of those woods to try to scare me because I don't know that they're welcome here 
and they're trying to defend their space the best that they can because they're in a place that might be unfamiliar to them. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very surreal kind of experience to be back there. And, you know, in the beginning with all the tensions between family members and everything that was happening, the one thing I did notice was that portal felt unstable and it felt like it was like if you took um, a doorway and put like a metal strip around it and then hooked it up to a car battery and tried to walk through it, it wouldn't feel exactly safe. Um, it may not necessarily hurt you depending on how it's set up, but it wouldn't feel exactly safe and it would feel weird to your body because your body's not used to walking through that kind of electricity. And that's kind of what that portal felt like. It felt like it was not safe or stable for whatever was supposed to be there. And once the energy issue started to get fixed, it kind of corrected itself. And now there are beings that have come through that kind of help maintain some of that energy and I can't tell you exactly what they do. They just have told me that they are spirits of the land. And I kind of equate them to like an elemental almost. And they basically tell me that because I have given them space, they will take care of everything. And I'm like, okay, that, that's cool. <laughs> You're going to take care of stuff. So I don't have to, I'm not going to complain. And they do. They, it's just a really pleasant experience now to be back there. Um, and being around that portal is still very surreal, but it's surreal in a very fun and exciting kind of way because you're just like, oh, this is so energetic. And it, it's like coming down from an extremely high spell work or uh, ritual. And you have that kind of buzzy kind of feeling that makes you feel good. And you're just like, man, I feel like I'm going great. And that's what it feels like now. It's no longer this kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm sh I should be here. I don't, is this going to hurt me? Like that's how it felt before. And now it doesn't feel that way. And it's really exciting to see how the lane has changed and morphed and grown into such a way energetically that makes it feel really, really nice. Fantastic. And Obviously, this portal was there before you arrived at the property. Yes. Do you have the sense that it's a like a natural creation, or do you feel do. like it was man-made at some point? I I do feel like it was definitely a um, kind of natural thing. And the cool thing about it is Tennessee sits on a lot of limestone and a lot of limestone caves. So anybody who's familiar with how limestone and spirituality kind of work. Um, there's a lot of energy that flows through that limestone. And the cool thing about it is these portals or these liminal spaces that you end up with because of natural formations in the earth, whether it be through um, rock or trees or something, I don't, I can't explain how they come into formation, but I do know that when something is man-made, it feels man-made. It feels like it's not very old and it feels like it's, you know, almost not supposed to be there. Whereas this one feels like it isn't man-made and it feels like it is supposed to be there. And like, it always has been, or has been at least as far as, you know, if you want to look at um, the creation of earth and the movement of earth and all that. So when that kind of thing happens, I think that it's a really exciting experience to see how this portal has changed from something that was a little bit rocky to something that was really positive. 
and to also see that now it is this kind of doorway for all these energies to pass through and like I said we get we get some unsavory things that come through but you know like I said as long as they follow the rules they're welcome to come and go as they please I'm not going to be their gatekeeper but Mm -hmm. I will be the one that says you can't come here you can't mess with this you do you have to leave Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you are interacting with this portal, do you get any sense within your, you know, your third eye? Do you see anything within your spiritual vision? I do. Um, it, the closer you get to it, the more um, I, you kind of feel like that, that the tingle in the third eye when you, it starts to work and it really starts to kind of open up. And I would say probably my most ex- exciting experience that I have had with that is I was back there and I was walking my dogs and my dog started barking towards the portal and I look up and I just see this nose of this dragon pop out and I'm like um what is happening here can I help you <laughs> and it just pops out for a minute and then comes back and then it doesn't and then finally you see the whole head emerge and it looks around like it was lost. Like it, this was not the doorway it was supposed to go through. And it looked at me and it looked at the dogs and my dog looked at me like, do you see this? Do you, Mom, do you see this? And I kind of was like, can I help you? Good sir. Good ma'am. Can I help you? And the, the dragon just kind of looked at me for a moment and kind of gave me this look of like, my bad. Like somebody walked in on somebody that they weren't supposed to. (laughs) It was a really exciting experience, but it was one of those things that I'm like, I, I don't know what just happened here, but that was kind of, that was kind of cool. Okay. And then it popped back out into wherever it was supposed to go. And I've never seen it since, but it was a really interesting thing. Like it it literally felt like somebody walked in and opened the wrong door to a building. (laughs) I'll be going now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. And, and just for the benefit of the listenership, um, did you, um, did you feel like he saw this with your actual eyes? Like, did you see it as a, as an overlay on your visual field or did you see it kind of with your internal psychic sense? It was a bit of both. So the way that my, my third eye vision works, sometimes it will come through as if somebody is physically standing in front of me. Other times it will come through to where I am seeing the impression of them in my mind. And it's kind of strange that the way that our eyes work with our third eye and our brain kind of works to communicate that because there will be times that my brain's like, nope, that's in your head. And the other times my brain's like, no, that came through the eyes. Did it though? Are we sure? We're, We're confused by this. And at those kind of moments, I think when you were on my show and we talked about the the fact that you just kind of got to let your brain freak out for a moment and then you got to say, no, this probably did happen. This is a really experienced and just let yourself have it and let it be whatever it's supposed to be. And that's kind of how I feel with my third eye, that sometimes when the things come through and the things are being seen, um, whether being they're being seen almost in a pure physical space or they're being seen more in that third eye kind of space or somewhere in between you've really got to kind of let your brain just go okay that was an experience that I can't explain but I'm just going to let it be and I'm going to let myself say 
I had this experience. I can't explain it. I don't know exactly what to do with it, but it's going to be there. We're going to put it in the memory box of unexplained and leave it there. And if it happens again, we'll try to figure something out with it. But a lot of times with the, the third eye stuff, I don't always experience everything exactly the same twice. Um, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Sometimes it comes through more of a trance-like state because I'll go back there and I'll meditate and stuff like that. And it'll come through more trance-like. Other times it comes through very physical. I, I've had spirits that will end up in my house and to the point that I thought that there was a physical person in my house and nobody was there. They, they said what they needed to say. And then before I realized it, they were gone. And it's always very curious to see how this type of phenomena comes through differently for different people, but also mm -hmm. for the same person at different times, which uh, it exactly sounds like uh, what you have going on there. It's, it's a very rich set of experiences that's available to us as humans when we, when we start exploring them. And as I'm curious, with, uh, with your property and with the spirits that dwell on it, how do you find that they interact with you? Like, uh, so for instance, I guess this is opening the door here for a whole lot of different <laughs> anecdotes, but, um, you know, how do you find uh, that they are present in your life? And, uh, and if you have any stories of times where they were really present, uh, please <laughs> go into them. Oh, which one shall we choose from? That's the question. <laughs> um, so it, there was one night in particular, there, there's some fae that are on our property that um, probably fit more in the unseely category versus seely. And I am not a fae expert, so I'm not going to break down seely to unseely. I highly recommend that if you're interested in the fae, check out, for instance, Storm Fairy Wolf is a great author that explains a lot of information about the Fae. I think Morgan Dahmer is another one um, who's also really great talking about uh, the Fae. I personally am not super equipped in my Fae. I know just enough to kind of like squeak by on a college exam kind of thing. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> um, but we, we do have some of the Fae that are more of the trickstery, mischievous type that reside on the property which we don't mind per se, because again, everybody is welcome. And there was one night I went outside and I was doing some grounding work after a particularly strange thing on Saturday. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, our my sister show that I am also a host on Chaos and Shadow, um, every Saturday night we do a say on Saturday, which Eric and Lola are going to be a part of here coming up in April. Um, but yes, we do those on Twitch and sometimes we will do spirit communication with like spirit box or divination. Uh, other times we will do things like guided meditations and rituals. So it just kind of, we say seance very loosely, but that's what we call them. Um, but anywho, so we had done a particularly strange seance. We were trying to speak with some spirits, um, in, I believe it was Kyle's apartment. I think this was when he was back at living in Utah. And we were just getting some very trickstery kind of energy coming through. And at one point in time, Kyle was on the spirit box and he let out this laugh. And this laugh was creepy, like really creepy. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And it wasn't Kyle's laugh because I've known Kyle for years now. And this was not his laugh. It was something else. And it was very, very creepy. 
And it said some other really kind of trickstery, creepy stuff. And so afterwards I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to go outside and ground a little bit. And then I'm going to go take a shower and wash off this icky kind of feeling afterwards. Cause it wasn't one of our more positive seances. Um, we were still fairly new to figuring out what we were doing and we were, all of our seances are about play and ex- exploration. And when I was outside, I was telling my husband what happened and from the woods, I hear that same laugh that came through the spirit box that came through Kyle's mouth. <laughs> and it was exactly the same as I was telling my husband about the laugh. And we hear this laugh come from the woods. And I look at my husband, and I'm like, what the hell was that? And he goes, that was a fae, I think. I'm pretty sure that was fae. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that because that's exactly the same laugh. And he goes, somebody's screwing with you. (laughs) That's what's happening. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm going in the house to take a shower. And I don't know if we talked about this on the last show or if we talked about it on my show, but either way, I think, I feel like you and I've talked about this and we may have even talked about it off air. Um, But that same night I went to go take a shower and while I was in the shower, I'm talking to my husband, telling him the rest of what happened. And he is leaning against the doorway in our bathroom, which is probably about three or four feet from the actual shower itself. And as I'm in the shower, you can kind of see um, a little bit of the light come through our um, shower curtain, which is really dark. It's a dark blue. And I see a hand pointing to this like cricket grasshopper looking bug that's on my shower curtain. And I'm like, can you get the bug? And he goes, what bug? And I'm like, the bug you were just pointing to. And he goes, I haven't moved. And I'm like, what do you mean you haven't moved? And he goes, what bug are you talking about? I said, the bug that's in the shower curtain, you just pointed to it. And he goes, babe, I'm telling you, I did not move. My arms are crossed. I have not moved an inch since you got in the shower. And I'm like, who the hell just pointed then? Because I saw the shadow of a hand moving toward this, towards this bug. And to this day, I have no idea who it was or what it was, but I don't know if it was trying to point out the, to this bug so I wouldn't freak out because bugs kind of uh, irk me and I don't like them. And so I don't know if it was trying to point to it to be like, hey, don't freak out. There's a bug there. Or if it's like, hey, there's a bug there, freak out. I don't know which one it was, but it was a really surreal kind of creepy night. And it's probably one of the creepiest things that has ever happened post a seance Saturday. So that's one of the stories of how the spirits of my land have interacted with me. And I do, to this day, I have no idea what it is, but the same Faye that laughed also like to steal my sister-in-law's keys when she's out here working with her bees. Oh, that's a common one for sure. Yeah. Stealing those keys. Do they come back? They do. They, they'll end up like inside of her truck or they'll end up like on the bed of her truck, like in the, the back of her truck with the gate closed and like they'll end up in random locations. At one point in time, they ended up on one of the far beehives that she hadn't been working with. And she has no, she never walked over there. So she's like, how the hell did my keys get over there? And I'm like, you had a spirit screwing with you. That's what happened. <laughs> and it's always her keys. I don't know why it is her keys, but they always like to take her keys from her, which is really funny. Does it have a 
playful element to it or is it more of a or more malevolence i mean tricksterish should kind of go either way but like do you feel like uh it's something where if you asked it to stop it would or is it purposely trying to cause havoc it's a bit of both so when i say trickster it's kind of like you were saying it could go either way and i think with most malevolence it can also go either way i think it really depends on the mood they're in if they're bored they're going to screw with you because they're bored just like humans if they're bored they're going to probably do something that may not always be good for them and so this is kind of the same with these kind of uh fey like energies they are doing it i think because they're bored and they know they can't and they know that we're not going to retaliate. We will say, that's not nice. Please don't do that. And if we have to, we'll be like, okay, that's enough. You need to stop now. And most of the time, if we get to that point, then it's getting to the point of you're about to get evicted and they do stop. And I've never had to get to that point recently. Not in several years have I had to get to that point. Even the one that kind of freaked me out. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go in the house now. You go do you. I'm going to go do me. Goodbye. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> this conversation is over. <laughs> I'm officially freaked out. So thank you. <laughs> but mostly uh, they are very, um, they get playful to the point of it can be malevolent, but not malevolent to the point that they would hurt somebody. Right, right. And and if you're comfortable sharing it, what is your eviction process? Like what steps would you go through to send a spirit away from your from your animal refuge center here? <laughs> My spiritual and animal refuge center. There we go. <laughs> um so it kind of depends on what I'm dealing with, but I'm sorry, I needed a drink of coffee there. Um one of the moments that I would say that if I have to get to that point, it's going to start at the bare minimum with a uh, smoke cleanse of a herb, a incense herb mixture that I call my bad juju mix. And the bad juju mix will pretty much kick out anything that's not supposed to be here. And if you have ill intent towards us, that is where that comes in. And that's what I put into this mixture when I make it, that if you have ill intent, this is your eviction notice, you must leave. And if that doesn't work, then I start breaking out other things. Like I will break out warding bags. I will break out iron charms. I will break out stuff like that. I've never had to go past the bad juju blend because most of the spirits get the memo at that point. They're like, oh, she's deployed this now. She means business. I guess yeah. we have to stop or we have to leave. Things and are about to become uncomfortable. I should just <laughs> yes. leave instead of having to bear the brunt of everything else that's coming, right? And the fun thing about spirits like that, I've noticed that if you communicate with your spirits and you're like, I don't want you around. And I will say that I have had some spirits that would be the equivalent of what we would call a demon. And most of them, if you communicate with them and say, look, you are allowed to stay, but you cannot behave in such a way to do X, Y, and Z. If you do X, Y, and Z, you will be forced to leave. And most of, I think I've got two or three of them still living on the property, but they don't bother us. And so all of these, you know, 
I want to say investigators and all these people out there that say, oh, demons are terrible, or, you know, this is a demon, or this energy is this, and it's out to hurt people. The question is that you have to ask why. What has pushed it to the point that it feels like it has to be that way? Has it just been because, you know, 50 people have come in and investigated and poked this thing with a stick? Or have you tried to force a religion down its throat that it doesn't believe in? Have you tried to actively communicate with it and be like, why are you behaving this way? What happened here? What made you feel this way? And at that point in time, even the darkest of spirits that I've ever come across that have approached that way immediately change their tune and they don't want to hurt you anymore. They don't want to trick you. They don't want to do anything. They had something that aggravated them to that point. And it's the same thing with humans and animals. If you poke a bear enough times with a stick, that bear is going to try to eat you. If you try to cage a tiger or a lion, yeah, it's going to try to eat you. And if you poke a human enough times with a stick, it's a figurative stick at this point, it's going to retaliate to defend itself because all of these energies respond the same way. And a lot of times, even nature will respond the same way. If we take enough resources out of an area, eventually those resources aren't going to be there. And that's what was keeping the ecosystem from harming human beings. And now that ecosystem has either become too barren for humans to live or has become too toxic or literally catches on fire every other year or every year, two or three times a year, because of the fact that we have done so much to it that makes it no longer habitable. So any kind of energy that's happening like that, if it's basically being kind of a dick to you, you need to ask yourself why Mm. and ask it why. It's a process that happens with humans too, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you treat someone like a villain, if a community treats someone as a villain, they will become the villain because they don't have any other options, right? I mean, uh, it, it has that effect. Another thing that strikes me in some of these, you know, some of these paranormal investigators that they really like to have a lot of fear going on Mm -hmm. in the, in their final product, um, it strikes me that I can't even blame a spirit for messing with them when that's happening because it's like a free lunch. You know, it's like, okay, you are giving off all this fear energy. I am going to play your little game. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I will mess with you. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. give me more of that fear. You know, if you go in with that mindset of fear, you just turn yourself into this, this giant walking target, but also this, this buffet, right? And, yes. and so if you go in with confidence, it's like, okay, well, look, I can't get anything from this person, whatever, I'll do something else. And, it, you know, that's the cool thing about when we do our spirit communications, the one thing that we always ask our spirits is we're just here to talk to you. We just want to get to know you. We want you to be able to tell your story and whatever means that mean. So I think that if you approach any sort of spirit activity, whether it be the spirits of your land, or you might be a paranormal investigator, whatever it may be, or if you're a witch who is working with deities, if you go in there and you are like, I want X, Y, and Z, and you're going to give it to me now, don't be surprised if you get some unsavory results because, you know, it's kind of the whole thing of you catch more flies with honey kind of thing. And it's the same kind of thing. If you go in there with a good disposition of, I want to get to know you, Yes, you might have a trickster to still screw with you, but that's okay. 
they're probably not going to come at it from a malevolent way. They're probably going to come at it from a, I just want to test boundaries and see how far I can push before you're like, that's enough. And it's okay to be assertive, but that's the thing with the spirits, like the spirits of my land, I can be assertive with them, but most of the time I'm very easygoing and very comfortable with them. And in return, they are very comfortable with me. I do still have some ones that play. I do still have some ones that will kind of poke occasionally, but most of the time they just do their thing. They just live here. We're just good neighbors. That's about it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that process of just, you know, getting to know them. When you first reach out to a, a spirit, just just get to know them. Don't ask for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's curious. And speaking of dragons, actually, uh, I had a recent uh, podcast episode where I talked about this experience. But uh, in short, I I started working with uh, with dragon spirit in um, in shamanic journeying. And I guess I was a little too excited when I first met because I was like, oh, here's all the things we can do with with each other. And like, I'd really love your help for this and that. Right. And I got admonished. I got like, you are, you know, the the response I got was very negative. Like it was like, because I had broken protocol, you know, I wasn't like, okay, I just want to get to know you, you know, here's an offering here's, and uh, I just want to, you know, just like when you meet a human all right. When you, when you make a friend, well, you make a friend just to make a friend. Uh, you don't make a friend so that you have someone who can help you move next week. Right. That's like the psychopath version of a friend. Um, and so, you know, the first time that you meet a spirit, absolutely just get to know them. Right. And mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. There's benefits that can come from having a friend such as eventually they can help you move, but, but don't get, don't make a friend just so that you, they can help you move. Right. right. Um, and anyways, this, this story ended up okay because I, uh, I did a, a further journey where I, I definitely was very apologetic and I was like, okay, I just want to get to know you. So yeah, that is absolutely very good advice when working with spirits or when working with, uh, with especially deities, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely get to know them first before asking or, you know, trying to do anything with them. And so I'm curious, uh, Brittany, what? Um, if you can go into kind of a, a taxonomy of what you think you have on your land, because I, I, it sounds like you have a lot of different stuff. And um, so I, I'm sure that the, the listeners would be very curious as to how you kind of divvy that up in your mind and like what kind of different entities and beings you feel you have there. Uh, okay. So here's the, the thing that I will say. Um, before I, you know, jump into this, some of the things that I will give something a quote unquote title of, you know, basically naming it species essentially is because of the fact that I actually don't know what it is. And so I will say this is a, you know, I, there, there's something on my property that we call Lurch and he is what I would kind of equate to a lich but I don't know exactly what he is and he's never really given me a title because of the fact that I don't know if he even understands what, like if he could relay his actual like species name to me. Whereas like you could say, oh, hey, this is a ex-fay or this is this one, or this is a human spirit, or this is an animal spirit or an elemental. There's a lot of things that, I think that we as humans have given names to that are very incorrect. 
And so I try really hard not to say this is definitely what this is because I truly don't know. Hmm. My thing is that I want to know whatever the being um, is as a like personality almost versus, you know, it's almost kind of like saying, oh, I'm going to say um, that this person it's like going into a room and saying, I'm only going to talk to those who are African-American, or I'm going to talk to those who are indigenous, but I'm not going to talk to anybody else. And those are the only ones that I'm going to actually recognize. And that's kind of similar to a lot of investigators going to a place that's like, oh, this is a human spirit, or this is a demon. There's nothing else in between. And there's so many different things out there that I don't think we know the names of them. Mm-hmm. And when we've spoken to Michelle Belanger, she pretty much said that humans have a very small ability to kind of name things because our ability to kind of come up with a name for something is very limited because there's so many other beings and entities and things out there that we just can't really wrap our little human brains around. And so we don't know how to name them. So we lump them into a group like demon or fey or something else because we don't really know what to call them. And so the entities that are on my property, I'm going to give kind of generic names for them, but ultimately I really don't know what a lot of them are because I'm not going out there to try to find out exactly what they are. I just want to get to know them as individuals, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah, before you jump into your list, I just want to say I absolutely agree. You know, there's what I know is that it's it's consciousness. They're all consciousnesses moving through the landscape. Yes. But and could that consciousness can take so many different forms based on different personalities, based on how they wish to be. And and so absolutely, there is so much, uh, so much uh, so much diversity out there. And uh, yeah, this is this is one reason why I don't like falling back on let's say the you know ancient Irish lore because mm-hmm. it's like well okay this was a good approximation but it's it's an ancient map made by people who you know were predominantly christian and all this so they had a specific worldview and and so it's like okay let's let's look at um how these things are coming through and and not try to pigeonhole them into these ancient divisions and distinctions right uh mm-hmm. so yeah i'm very glad that you uh that you went into uh uh this um uh this part about how um how these consciousnesses can just show so much uh variety uh so yeah so what kind of variety do you have on your <laughs> land <laughs> so i would have some stuff that i would call you know like we've talked about before the the unseelie fey um as to what type of fey they are i don't know <laughs> again like going back to what i said earlier my fey knowledge is very limited but they come across very fey like so i'm going to say that they are some fey like beings i also have some things that are definitely elementals and there's a fun story that if you'd like to tell me about, if you'd like me to tell about the elementals later, I will happily tell you all about how I met these elementals because it's a really sad story, but it's also one of those stories that I think that we should be very conscious about as well. Um, but then we have uh, Lurch. And the funny thing about Lurch was when I met him, he was very negative, but he was kind of bound to my land in an unsavory way by people who came far before me. 
Um, and we're talking like 200 years before me. And so I basically said, you can stay, but you can't hurt anybody within our family or within these four walls of this home. And you can leave your peace to do whatever you'd like. And now he and I have such a good working relationship, even though he's quote unquote dark. And with that, I would say that he is one of those really great beings because if I need him for assistance, if I need um, to kind of talk to him about how to work with some other darker energies in my magic, because magic is neither black nor white, it is both. And I am definitely in the gray spectrum. So if I need to work with a darker energy, I can call in large and be like, hey, how can I go about doing this? And he's happy to bestow some knowledge on me. Um, he's not a negative presence. He's not a harmful presence, not anymore at least. And he does not really wish to harm anybody. He just wants to live his peace and do his thing. I don't know exactly what he is um, per se. Like I said, I call him a lich, but if he were to harm somebody, he likes to harm people through their dreams. And he gives incredibly intense nightmares to the point that people might have to go seek out psychiatric help kind of thing um, from my understanding of what he can do. Um, I don't know exactly what he is. So I don't know if he was an egregore that ended up basically becoming a full-fledged being. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is he was around during some really dark uh, times with some slavery and that that had something to do with where he came from I don't know exactly what he is but he is a very interesting character that lives here um as we talked about curious because it sounds like a being who you know when you when you're faced by that right it -hmm. sounds like a very ancient being I mean it could be incredibly ancient or it could be something that emerged as you say in the context of slavery as as something um having to do with that milieu and when you when you then encounter that being now you know it's like well do you send it off of the property right do you send it away and one thing i've always thought is well that just makes it someone else's problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and so if you can create a good working relationship with it on your property and and engage in this kind of symbiotic relationship with them absolutely that is a very positive and beneficial thing you know as long as you can and and you can basically help to reduce the harm that's happening help it to mm-hmm. uh to um basically you know be the lion who is you know um <laughs> i don't know turned vegan right so <laughs> you know um yeah i think that's uh that's a very wonderful thing sorry for interjecting uh, no, no, please no, continue no, you're with totally your fine um and i would say that yeah that lurch is still very much himself he he we've never changed him we just told him basically like if we were like an african game preserve we'd be like you just can't hunt near the humans if you're going to go hunt you have to go hunt somewhere else you can't hunt here and you know kind of put up that boundary with him and he's very respectful of those boundaries because we got him out of the he was essentially bound and locked here and it I was able to work some magic to basically say, you don't have to be bound here, but if you choose to stay, this is how this is going to work. This is how the boundaries are set and you cannot break them. You break them and you're gone. And he's never broken them. Not once. He has always been here and he's always been very respectful for us too. And now 
after all of these years of working with him and giving him a home here and, you know, understanding that we're not out to get him, he is now defensive of this place because he now protects this place. This is his home just as much as it is mine. And that's because we have a good working relationship. So it doesn't matter what spirit you work with. If you work with spirits, in my opinion, and you work with them to the point of wanting to establish a good working relationship with them, not to control them, but to just give them space and, you know, have that kind of ability to work with them, whether they're good or bad, you might end up with somebody who goes from wanting to harm you to wanting to protect you because you gave them space. And there's a lot of other spirits here as well. We have some uh, human spirits. We, I want to say they're indigenous spirits, but I don't know what they are. Um, my sister-in-law, who has some psychic abilities, has stated that she hears Native American drumming coming back by the portal. And she has also seen um, what she thought were Native Americans sitting up in the top poplar tree. And... I have never seen them. I've heard the drumming, um, but, you know, we also have houses and stuff around us, you know, that are within sound distance. And so I don't know if it's coming from that or not, but I will say that if that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me if there were natives here. Um, now there is one spirit here who I would say is more of a residual spirit than a physical spirit. And during the summer months, especially um, closer to like midnight to 3 a.m., you will hear the sounds of like faint dogs barking back there. And um, eventually you will see some lanterns and mm -hmm. hear horses. And then you will hear a woman scream. And if your third eye is open, you will see a um, African-American woman run across the field. And she is running from the slave hunters that were ultimately murdered her and so i don't know if she's you know conscious but we do i have noticed her before um we also have some more animistic kind of spirits where i have seen kind of energy like if you go out there in the middle of the night and like there's a campfire and stuff like that in the dim light you will look like it looks like there is a really large deer that will walk out of the woods but there's nothing there and I don't know what this deer is I don't know who it is but it does happen occasionally and then we have a lot of um kind of you know like I said the elementals and there's a lot of human spirits here. There's also a lot of animal spirits, like dogs, like previous pets. Um, and some of our pet spirits are still here, um, which is really interesting because there will be moments where I will, we had a pit bull that passed um, in 2000 and I think it was 2020. Yeah, I think it was 2020 when she passed. Um, and she would come into uh, where my desk is. And when she wanted my attention, she would force her nose as far as into my leg as she possibly could, almost to a point where it was painful. And she would just nudge me until I would pay attention to her. And every now and then I will feel that sensation, but she's no longer with us. So um, 
but yeah, it, we have a lot of uh, very interesting spirits and there's a lot more spirits that I know have come to live here that I've seen more in passing um, and I've kind of felt their presence in passing, but they've never really made themselves specifically known to me. Um, I'm just like, oh, you're a new energy that I've never picked up before. I don't know what you are, but okay, you're welcome as long as you abide by the rules. And some of the older spirits like Lurch and Kate and um, some of the others will make the rules known to newer spirits. Um, there is a dragon that, that's not as big as the one that I saw come through the portal, but there is one that will um, kind of be around the area. And sometimes it likes to sit on top of my house. And I'm just like, okay. And it, it's very, um, I, I've come to call him Sparky. Um, but beyond that, I, you know, I don't really know much beyond that. He, he just chooses to be here. And as I've said before, we are very welcoming to any spirit that wants to be here as long as they're willing to follow the rules. You know, I think it's a really wonderful thing when someone allows their house and their the area around them to be haunted right mm -hmm. because we humans we want to control things so much you know we want to we want to be the only occupants of this home right we want to be the only beings who have access to this property and so there's that that part of you know the human ego that just wants to push out anything that doesn't understand any presence that because it sees it immediately as a threat Mm -hmm. And it's just wonderful the level of of symbiosis that you've attained on your property. It's something that we uh, we strive to do here as well, um, where uh, where Laova and I live live, and it's just it's just a wonderful thing because when you realize that these beings just want to live alongside you, they're not a threat. You know, even if they're tricksterish once in a while, <laughs> they're not a threat to you. They don't want to harm you. They are. Um, they are your natural uh, occupants of the land that live alongside you and just learn to live in harmony with them. It's such a, a, a wonderful thing to do. And I love that, you know, I hope that, that you know, what, you, what you're saying today and uh, inspires people, right, to, mm -hmm. to have that shift in mentality where it's like, okay, yeah, something went bump in the night big deal. Okay, fine. There's a spirit in the house, you know, talk to it and put up some boundaries. You don't have to, you know, call in the exorcist and send everything away. Right. I mean, a first step <laughs> yes. towards that, a first step towards that, that I always teach my students is look, fine. If something goes bump in the night, then do a cleansing and specify that you're only sending away any negative energies or entities. Yep right? Mm -hmm. Don't send away everything because it's literally, you know, these spirits of the land, they are essential as well for the land, for the, uh, for the area to be in harmony. Uh, the, the um, analogy I usually use is that it's like, um, you know, in your, in your digestive system, right? You have good and bad bacteria, right? Mm -hmm. And if you take an antibiotic, well, it kills all the good and the bad and right after you have to take a probiotic in order to get that good bacteria back into your system or else you have, you know, it can lead to terrible things for health. And so absolutely, you know, when you cleanse a place, let's say, 
only send away things that are actually problematic and leave all the helpful spirits, right? The helpful mm-hmm. bacteria who are just there to create harmony and, and, and good things. So I think it's, it's a wonderful shift that you are a, uh, an example of in allowing your property to have these beings. Yes. And, you know, it's funny as you're talking about it, you know, having these good spirits and all that in there um, and, and the going bump in the night, we have a spirit that lives in our house. Well, we actually have two or three of them that live in our house, but there's one who you could say is trickstery, but she's this old lady who I think just liked to have fun when she was alive. And so she has known that she's welcome in the home. Anybody who has good intent can come into our home, but if you don't have good intent, you can't come in. That's one of our rules. And so this woman comes in and we see her occasionally, but what she likes to do is she likes to take things and move them other places. Her favorite thing to move in my house is I have this plastic human skull that was, is a Halloween decoration, but we keep it up year round. Um, and she will take the skull and she will move it to other places or she'll move the jaw. So it looks like it's laughing or she'll lay it on its side. And just, <laughs> you wake up the next morning, it's like elf on the shelf with Halloween director decorations. And you don't know exactly what she's going to do with it, but she just does it because of the fact that she finds it entertaining to see what our reaction is going to be. And then we have another spirit who we call our coffee guy. Um, he loved coffee when he was alive. And I think he misses it when he's no longer alive, because if we don't make a cup of coffee in the morning, he will start opening and closing my kitchen cabinets, specifically the one that has my coffee mugs in it. And he will get very cranky and very cross if you do not make a cup of coffee because he likes the smell. And you know, we have left out some coffee. Like I've made a cup of coffee and just left it on the counter for him. I'm like, I know you can't drink it, but here, this is for you. And he is so appreciative when we do stuff like this. And he knows that he's welcome. He knows that he's happy and he means no harm, but it's always entertaining if we don't fix our coffee in a reasonable time because he wants to smell it. And it's just a really fun experience to have that in the house. And it's not bad. So everything that goes bump in the night may not be a bad thing. It might just be you have a really fun spirit that is just wanting to communicate with you. And the other thing I really want to talk on too is we see a lot in, you know, paranormal investigation and paranormal TV of people who get scratched or there's red marks or something on them that are painful. And I think the one thing that people don't realize is it takes a lot of energy to cross the boundary for spirits. For us as humans, we have a lot of energy sources we can tap into. So sometimes it's a little bit easier. Some people it's not. Now apply that same kind of mindset to a spirit on the other side. And somebody who has been shouting and screaming at you and trying to physically communicate with you but their words are not passing through the veil. So the only thing they do is they reach out and try to grab you and it comes through as a scratch. It's not meant to always harm you. Or maybe it is meant to harm you because you hit a nerve or you poke the bear, as we said before. But sometimes it comes through as a scratch because they have to put so much force and effort into crossing that boundary to touch you. And when it comes through, it comes through all at once and it hits 
and it scratches you or it hurts you or it shoves you. And then there's just like, oops, I didn't mean to go that hard with it. I meant to just try to get your attention. I meant to tug on your shirt instead, but instead I scratched you. And it's not that they were trying to be harmful. A lot of spirits that I've come in contact with that have scratched people or they're like, oh, people get scratched here. It's like, okay, were you trying to communicate this way? And then you break out different forms of divination and different forms of spirit communication. And they're like, no, I never wanted to hurt anybody. I was just trying to talk to them. Absolutely. You know, so many spirits. Absolutely. So many spirits just want to interact. And that is a wonderful point about the scratching. Absolutely. If you are having to, to put all this energy into crossing that veil to cause a physical interaction you might not have it dialed in perfectly as to how strongly you know you can grab this person's arm and then sometimes you see bruising right and i you know and and, you know scratching you know it's not necessarily a bad thing i'm thinking you know we we have a puppy right now and i have been scratched by that little girl so many times (laughs) at this point right i have been bit i have been you know but she's just playing right she doesn't know how uh how her claws uh, you know affect bare arms she doesn't know that you know she's exploring with her mouth and so she's you know putting things in her mouth and if you move too quickly you're going to get scratched right so it's it can be something that is just coming from this desire to interact and and communicate absolutely Uh, i really love that point um we're coming near the top of the hour but i'd really really love to hear that elemental story that you have yeah totally so when my the the sister-in-law that didn't get along with my other sister-in-law originally sold her piece she sold it to some people that we're not conscious of the land and we see this a lot with people who will buy up property and they will just destroy the property and that's what these people did they cut down trees that didn't need to be cut down they tore up stuff that didn't need to be tore up there had no pertaining to what they were trying to do they were trying to basically put in a road um to lead back to their piece which the road was already there and these trees didn't interfere with it in any way, shape or form. They just cut them down to cut them down. And so after that happened and, you know, being somebody who is, you know, in tuned with this land and in tuned with the spirits of this land, the day that they did that, I had to physically put earplugs in because all I heard was screaming outside. And it was all of these spirits of the land that were just literally screaming because these trees were being cut down and they didn't need to be. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you need to clear some space or you need to clear some land or there's something that's invasive on your property that's not supposed to be there. Or you have to cut down a tree that, you know, the seed started growing too close to your house and it's going to mess up your foundation. Or you have to clear space. There's nothing wrong with that. If you go about it the right way, if you were to, you know, buy a piece of property, all you have to do is just say, Hey, I need to clear this piece of land right here. And I apologize to all the trees that are going to be cut down or all these things that have to be cleared in order to do this and just pay some libations, buy a beer and pour it out on the ground. That's all you have to do. It's not difficult. Really. It's not, but they did it in a spiteful way. These, the people that did this. And they did it because of the fact that my other sister-in-law had bees and these were all wild cherry trees that they cut down and they cut them down knowing that the bees love the wild cherries. 
and they cut them all down. Every wild cherry property or tree on their property, they cut every single one of them down just because they didn't want to deal with her bees. Oh my God. So as this is happening, I'm hearing all this screaming and for days, there's just this somber feeling on the property. Like literally, like it felt like walking into a war zone and, or the best I can equate with a war zone, you know, obviously only seeing it through television. So, but that's what it felt like. It felt like unnecessary death. And so over the coming months, they eventually got to the point where they knew they were not going to be able to do this. And they sold the other, the piece back to my sister-in-law that now owns it all, who's very respectful of the land. And I was out walking on my road one day and I was out with the dogs and all that. And I stopped because I felt like something was behind me. And we do have wild animals and stuff here. Like we, we have some bobcats and stuff like that, that can be a little bit predatorial. So I turned around and I don't see anything with my physical eyes, but in my third eye, I am seeing this black creature crawling on its uh, hands and feet. And it, it's doing it in a very unnatural way. And it's, it's a little unnerving when you see it. And I'm like, look, if you are here to harm me, you have picked the wrong person. I am not here to harm you. Whatever you want, if you are here to harm me, you need to go. But if you are here to communicate with me, I am open to dialogue. And eventually it just followed me for several days while I was doing my walks and stuff. And then it got to this point where it's like, we were of the trees. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then I started kind of putting it together and it started showing me that it grew into these trees and it was part of the land and it was older than the trees, but it was this elemental and, and I'm saying elemental very loosely because I don't know exactly if elemental is the right word for it, but that's the best kind of term I can come up with. And when we destroy nature and these spirits that are tied to these things in nature that grow is what I came to the understanding of this elemental is that it was broken and we had destroyed it. Humanity destroyed it. And the humans that cut down these trees were the ones that destroyed it and made it unnatural. It was no longer its bright, beautiful human or bright, beautiful human, bright, beautiful being. It was now this dark, unnatural thing. And it was going to remain that way. And it wasn't that when I say dark, I don't mean dark as an evil. I mean, dark as in broken, dark as in something that would be like burned or something that is no longer has the life in it, that it, the life had been sucked out of it. And now it was just this thing that was still supposed to be this elemental that wasn't supposed to perish, that wasn't supposed to do these things, but it had been destroyed for no reason. And so these elementals had come into my property and they'd come from a lot of the surrounding area because as I had mentioned before, a lot of developers are basically coming into this area and buying a plan, destroying the properties in order to build these houses. And so they were displacing these elementals and these spirits. And so they had come here looking for refuge and they are some of the ones that now are the protectors of that portal or the ones that keep things in balance here. And I told them, I said, no matter what happens, if I have to move from here, if something has to happen, 
you all are welcome to come with me. I will find a space in wherever I go for you to reside. And even if that means that I have to live in an apartment building full of houseplants, you will still have something green to be attached to, no matter what. You will always have a place with me wherever I go. And I will make sure that my kids understand that that same principle must apply to them. That wherever we go, something has to happen in order for you guys to always have a space because I don't want to displace you. I don't want you guys to feel like you don't have somewhere else to be. I want you to be safe. And I've made that same promise to many of the other spirits on my land as well. I'm like, look, if something happens, I know you guys are kind of attached here, but if you got to go somewhere, I will create an altar or a space for you to come through. Even if it's a man-made portal, I will make one just for you. So you have a space to come and visit and a place to be. It might not be as big as it once was, but you'll still have a space. I, I think that you're absolutely approaching that in the right way and that is a true tragedy what happened to those cherry trees but you know we we adapt and and the spirits adapt as well and you know it's it's one of these things where i definitely know that in my spiritual practice some of the most the saddest channeling sessions and other types of communications have been with nature spirits mm-hmm. because you just feel the sadness of that that erupts from what we humans have been doing to this earth and it can really it can really get to you and mm-hmm. honestly it should <laughs> you know it, it should. should yes and it, it's something that you know it the world should be more educated about unfortunately the invisible presences of this world are not something that we you know no one advocates for the rights of the spirits when we're talking about you know clear cutting a forest or something uh it's um it's an unfortunate thing but hopefully you know hopefully people start to be a bit more respectful towards nature in the future i mean i can you can you can see it in the uh in the mm-hmm. younger generation so you know hopefully yes. things are changing you know and the the one thing that i will say on this as well too is if you're somebody who lives in a subdivision don't feel guilty about living in that subdivision. You live where you are able to live because we live in a world where we have to do what we can. And that doesn't make it bad because you live there. But what you can do is do exactly like what I was saying, that if I had to move and I no longer was able to reside on a property that was large enough for all of these beings to be, create a space for them. You can create a small altar. You can have a nice little house plant area in your house with the accessibility to grow lights and all that anybody can grow anything in their homes now which is wonderful so if you want to connect with the spirits of the land there's tons of ways to do it the other way you could do it is also volunteering to help clean up a nature space because our world is extremely toxically polluted and a big thing that you could do is just volunteer to help clean stuff up so there you go Absolutely. They, they love it when we clean up garbage. It feels like the forest is rejoicing when you go through an area Mm -hmm. and just clean up all the beer bottles and all the, you know, just be careful guys. And, you know, it's uh, just bring a sack and do your part. Right. Absolutely. So uh, Brittany, we're at the, uh, the top of the hour. Um, Do you have any message that you want to live the, leave the listenership with? 
be respectful to your spirits, folks. Um, remember, not everything's a demon. <laughs> and if you have any questions or anything that you are curious about how to work with your spirits, there's lots of really great resources out there. Um, I mentioned Storm Fairy Wolf before for working with Faye. Um, he wrote a couple of really great books um, called Betwixt and Between that's all about fae magic and also the Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft, which also talks about working with the fae. Uh, there's also a lot of really fantastic books out there that talk about working with like animism. Um, I want to say Temperance Alden's book. I, uh, gosh, is it the year of the wheel or something like that. I can't remember her temperance Alden is the author um and I think she only has one book out so uh her book is fantastic and talks a lot about animism um and animism is definitely working with your nature spirits and working with all of that and especially if you live in America and I think probably even in Canada you're going to also have a lot of things where you're going to run into that feeling of living on stolen land and it's okay to approach the land still respectfully, but just understand that the land was not once yours ancestrally. And I think that it's going to be much more open to working with you and the spirits will be working with you than it just sitting back and going, oh, hey, I own this piece of land now. Technically, nobody owns any land. We just get to borrow it for a time. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Brittany, where can people find your things online? Do you have social media and I do. Uh, where can they find your podcasts? So you can find um, Piggins, Witchy Corner and Chaos and Shadow are both on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Amazon Music. Uh, you can go to Anchor Podcasting directly if you want to. Uh, there's lots of different places that you can find it. Just search Pagan's Witchy Corner or Chaos and Shadow. Chaos and Shadow is hosted by myself and my co-host Kyle Dempster. And you can also connect with us on uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays on twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. That's Kyle's Twitch channel where we do our Witchy Wednesdays and say on Saturdays. You can also connect with me directly on Twitter, Instagram, uh, I am on TikTok, but I'm not good at TikTok. Um, and I will happily send all these links to uh, Eric so he can put them in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so if you really want to connect with me, connect with me on Twitter. That is probably the place where I'm most active. But I have not been super active lately because of the fact that it's starting to be growing season. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of outside stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very similar. TikTok is a mystery to me. So, but we will have all your information down in the uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Brittany, for joining us. This has thank been an absolutely me. amazing conversation. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was such a wonderful time. I always love coming and talking with you guys. And I always love having you guys on my show as well. So thank you so much for having me. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.